what Paul is saying right here in context is we have no excuse not to believe in the Lord. We have no excuse not to believe his word. We have no excuse not to do what the Lord has called us to do. And I have to make a disclaimer tonight. Um, we not only have uh, no excuse not to, not to serve the Lord and not to believe in the Lord, but we also have no excuse not to serve the Lord and not to go as the Lord has commanded and not to go to church. So as a disclaimer tonight, I have to, I have to go ahead and say this message may step on some toes. And, and understand this, if it steps on your toes, it stepped on mine as well. And tonight's message is predominantly about church attendance. But I, I look out across the crowd tonight, and I see a lot more people who are here tonight than they were uh, the last time I preached. But I also understand that even though the prevailing thought of tonight's message is about church attendance, I understand we're in the midst of a pandemic. So the disclaimer is this, if you are not here tonight in attendance because you're worried about the virus, it's completely understandable. If you're tuning in online, it's completely understandable. So I don't want anyone to think that this message is about them solely or that this message is about them not being here because I almost didn't preach this message. I, I was kind of worried that this message might be offensive to someone. Uh, so I almost balled it up. I had two thoughts the Lord put on my heart and even in the midst of this pandemic, the Lord told me to go ahead and preach this, so I, I pray that you guys don't throw anything at me. Brother Michael brought me some fruit in case someone throws something, and I can throw it back. So hopefully you won't be too offended, but I will also say this. If the shoe fits tonight, then let's wear it. So I, I want to I make mention the majority of this message is about church attendance, and, and we'll speak more about this in a minute. So let us go to the Lord in, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, God. I pray that we don't ever take these opportunities for granted. I pray that you'll bless this message and open our hearts and our minds to what is to be said tonight, Lord. I pray that you'll remove me from the equation and fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as you empty me of self. We thank you once again for loving us and everything we do, Lord. We honor you, for it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, to today... Uh, 21st century Christianity is very complacent. I imagine 17th, Christi 17th century Christianity was also complacent, but I live in the present. And as I look around our country, I see a lot of complacency. And I also see a lot of excuses that go along with this complacency. I look around and I see people each day come up with excuses. As a matter of fact, I have here several uh, facts that I'm going to read before we actually get into the message. The average American tonight, or today, made six excuses as to why they couldn't do something. That comes out to be almost 2,200 excuses a year as to why we can't do something. Now, I wonder how many of those are excuses as to why we can't serve God or why we can't come to church. And once again, I promise you, I'm going to reiterate this throughout. If you're not here tonight because of the pandemic and you're listening online, it's completely understandable. I don't want you to believe this message is about you. But I also fear that we're using some of our times as an excuse not to come to church and not to serve and not to pray and not to walk. We heard two great messages in a row about prayer. So I believe that the Lord is trying to tell us something tonight. So a recent Pew Research survey was conducted on church attendance. These, these stats are very frightening. 30% of Americans seldom or never go to church. 36% do weekly. 33% go once a month, and of these 69% who go to church sometimes, 
The Jehovah's Witness have an 85% weekly church attendance rate. Uh, and that reminds me, I have received two letters from this Jehovah's Witness Kingdom Hall right down the road. The first one was a handwritten letter inviting me to church. And the second one was about missions. And I, I have to lament that tonight, that uh, a false doctrine church is out churching us. But not only that, we have Mormons. They, are, they have a 77% attendance rate for church. Muslims have a 45% attendance rate for church. And evangelical Protestants have a 58% attendance rate. When you factor in age, only 17% of 18 to 29-year-olds go to church. 17% of our young adults who go to church. Church attendance is down from where it was 20 years ago. In 1999, 70% of this country claimed to go to church, whether they did or not, between them and the Lord. Today, only 50% go to church. And if we extrapolate the data 20 years from now, that will probably be 30%. So I have to ask this before we get into the message. Is there a correlation between church attendance and our decline in morality? I would absolutely say there is. So you say, well, I come to church every time the doors are open. Amen. I'm glad to hear that. I know I need to as well. So if you're here tonight and you're in church attendance and you're here every time the doors are open, maybe this message, particular part of the message, is not for you. But how's your prayer life? What are your excuses to not pray like you should, as we've heard about in the last couple of services? What is your excuse for not walking with the Lord daily? What about your excuses for not reading your Bible or going out and evangelizing as the Lord has told us to do? So we should have a church full today. Even in the midst of the pandemic, and I understand there are some, some limitations there, but we should have a church full today. We should have to kick the walls down to accommodate for all the people who should be here tonight. We should have people up there in the balcony. We should have people sitting on the edge here. Matter of fact, years ago they used to do it. I don't know about here, but in churches in general. We should have people in the choir. We should have people floating in the baptistry. We should have people hanging from the rafters, but yet we don't. And that's kind of funny. I don't know if I want to see that or not. It's probably a liability, so let's not do that. <laughs> but the point is, we should have a church full today. 153,000 people a day die. How many of them go to hell? We're worried about all the goings-on in the world, and there are some things to definitely be worried about, but we're fighting over trivial things when we should be fighting over souls, souls that are lost and going to hell. So C.T. Studd, the famous missionary, once said that some people want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel bell, but I want to open a rescue shop within a yard of hell. That should be what our command is today. And by the way, that's what the church is. It's not only a place for sick people to come, but it's a place for sinners as well. So in a perfect world, that also should be our desire, to see a rescue shop opened up within a yard of hell. We shouldn't have any excuses as to why we can't come to church or why we can't serve in church and why we can't go out and fulfill the Great Commission. But we do, and we use them all the time. So today... I want to look at some of the, these excuses. Now, I have four excuses, and really we could have made this 20 or 30 excuses, but we have some former Marines in here, and I'm not sure they taught them to count that high, so I don't want to offend them. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding, former Marines. Uh, but seriously, the points are only four, so we're going to keep it at four points today. 
So I want you to turn your Bibles one more time, and this is where the bulk of the message will come from. And like I said, I'm sorry if this is somewhat offensive to people, but I also the Lord told me to do this, and I really didn't want to, so I'm here against, sort of against my will. Luke chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 16 through 24. Luke chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. Now, this is a very familiar parable if you've been in church very long, but I believe the Lord has something for us here. Verse 16 begins, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. By the way, that many is everyone, all of us. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they... All with one consent began to make an excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, to me, it sounds like he's throwing his wife under the bus. Men, don't do that. And I also understand that excuse, too. If you've been married long enough, you know Verse 21 says, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Verse 22 continues, And and the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. What a pity. Verse 23, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be full, filled, sorry. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. So this parable is speaking to two different groups of people. Tonight, if you're lost, it is definitely speaking to you. You see, the master has invited us all to this great supper. He's prepared everything. All you have to do is come. If you're saved today, there's a lesson in this for you as well. So understand that this parable is pertaining to both the lost and the saved. So if you're saved here today, you can still get something out of this. So we love our excuses. And I guess I should say this as well. This message will probably go very quickly as far as the excuses go. We're going to look at later some ways to overcome the excuses. So don't get too excited when we're on the fourth excuse in about 10 minutes. Our first excuse that we often like to use is, I am not ready. I am not ready to serve the Lord. I am not ready to do what he's told me to do. Now, I'm not talking about the excuse, I'm not ready because I'm not dressed to go to church. If you're not dressed to go to church, get dressed and get here when you can. But I'm more speaking to the I'm not ready's who say this because they're not emotionally ready or they're not physically ready or they're not spiritually ready. We really don't have a good excuse when we say that I'm not ready because if we look at verse 17 and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all these things are now ready. You see, everything that you're going to need to do for the Lord has already been done for you. And if you're lost today, everything also has already been done for you to find salvation. So you may, your excuse for I'm not ready may not be that I'm not ready spiritually, emotionally, or physically. Perhaps you say I'm too young. I can't do anything for the Lord because of my age. 
Well, David was about 14 when he defeated Goliath. That's a great victory. It's one that we learn about when we're really young and it's something that never leaves us. Moses was 80 when God told him to lead his people out of bondage. So you say that you're too young? That was Jeremiah's excuse. And in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6, he even, Jeremiah even tells God that. God, I'm, I'm, I'm only a child. I can't speak. I'm only a child. Maybe your excuse is that you're spiritually not ready. Well, I hate to tell you this. You're never going to be spiritually ready if you're waiting around to be spiritually ready. I, I, it blows my mind as I sit up here tonight talking about being spiritually ready if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be standing here tonight preaching in front of 100, 150 people, I would have laughed at you. So your excuse that you're not spiritually ready is not a very good excuse. And if you really think that it is, I ask you to take it to the Lord because it's going to be between you and he as to whether that excuse really holds any water. See, what happens is when you say that I'm not ready, that shows a lack of faithfulness. You've got to have faith in order to be ready. So that brings us to our second excuse. Like I said, we're, we're fireballing, right? So our second excuse was, uh, is that we always, always like to say, I have more important things to do. That is our second excuse. I have more important things to do. And if we look at verses 18 through 20, once again, we see, and they all with one consent begin to make excuse. And if you go through those excuses one by one, Another way of the parable being explained is each one said, I've got other things to do. I've got to go, I've got to go till my land. I've got, to go, I've got to go check on my oxen. My wife is calling me and texting me and things like that. I've got to go check on her. So this is not a very good excuse because God has already made it abundantly clear what we're supposed to do. And you may say, well, what about work? I've got to work, I've got to pay my bills, and if I don't pay my bills, then, you know, I, I can't really sustain my life. And that's understandable. I worked offshore for six years, and I was gone half my life, uh, half the year, and it was difficult to maintain homeostasis as well as pay the bills. So, once again, I know a lot of our men have or currently do work offshore. I want you to know I'm not speaking on that. But we do like to say I have to pay bills. I can't serve because I need the money. Well, Proverbs 22.2 says that the rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. You see, you don't have to be rich to serve. You don't have to be poor to serve. You just have to be willing to serve. So what we have to do is realize that when we say that there are more important things to do, what we're really saying is that we don't really want to put the Lord first. And that comes to rebellion. And I have a story that I want to mention. I told Miss Pam that I was going to, going to talk about this. So Miss Pam should enjoy this story, and my wife Sarah is not going to enjoy this story very much. But in the fall of 2011, I had the opportunity to go see my favorite football team, the Chicago Bears, play the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, of course, most of the games are held on Sunday, so I want you to keep that in mind. But we got up about 9.30 that morning. We drove to New Orleans. We got there at about 11.15, parked. Uh, 15 minutes to walk into the stadium, and we got to our seats at about 11.30, and right away, I had my Brian Erlacher jersey on. He was a linebacker for the Bears, a very popular player, and right away, I started getting, you know, cat calls and people, you know, making fun of me, and you're going down today. I'm like, I'm not playing, y'all. But 
So there was a lot of, you know, revelry going. There was a lot of uh, bantering back and forth. And anyway, kickoff started, and, and Chicago is uh, a pretty terrible team. They always kind of have been, and, and this year was no exception. But the Saints had just won a Super Bowl two years prior, I believe it was. And so right away, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, Jay Cutler, comes out within the first couple of drives, throws a touchdown. The Bears are up by seven. And I'm, I'm dancing in the, we have end zone seats, and I'm dancing in the end zone and popcorn flying everywhere, Coke spilling all over the place. And everybody's having a really good time except Sarah. She's underneath the seats because she's embarrassed to be seen with me. By the way, it's not just at a football game. It's everywhere we go. <laughs> so the, the Bears go up, and I'm thinking, all right, this is the year. Chicago is going to the Super Bowl. Mark my word. Super Bowl bound. Well, in typical Bears fashion, within a couple of quarters, they were down big time. And the fun was lost, all right? There was no, it wasn't as fun as it was anymore. And so Sarah and I leave about halfway between the end, or halfway into the fourth quarter because I wanted to beat traffic, and I was embarrassed. So anyway, what's the, what's the point of that story? Did I have a terrible football team, or that I did? Yeah, I do. But... I left at 9.30 on a Sunday morning to go worship at a false idol. And I got there, and I spent $550 on the tickets. I spent $50 to eat, $50 in gas, about $30 to park, so $700-$800 to go watch a football team. And that day, I missed two church services. And it was that year I was mired deeply into an addiction to alcohol and pills. And I often look back and think, well, what did I miss that Sunday? What preaching did I miss that could have helped me with that addiction, that could have helped me be a better father or a better husband or just a better person, a better Christian? Because I was saved, but you wouldn't know it by the way I acted. So you see, when you say you have more important things to do than to come to church or to read your Bible or to pray like you should or to... Uh, walk daily with the Lord, really what you're doing is saying that there are more important things than God. And it, it, it never ceases to amaze me that each of these excuses we see in verses 18 through 20, whenever they say these things, it's basically saying there are more important things to do. And it's like grammar. There aren't any things more important to do than to serve the Lord. So our third excuse to not serve the Lord is I can't. Now, this I can't is very similar to the first excuse. So instead of saying I can't physically, emotionally, or spiritually, perhaps you're saying I can't learn his ways. They're too difficult. Maybe you say I can't speak eloquently. And if your excuse is that you can't do something, well, you're right. God can, though, and he does. So what we are saying when we say we can't is we're saying that God can't. And that's a terrible situation to find yourself in. In Exodus chapter 3, we see God telling Moses, Moses, lead my people. And in Exodus chapter 4, we see Moses telling God, I can't because I stutter. Well, God didn't. Moses, lead my people. So listen to what Exodus chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb or deaf, or, or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? 
Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. I'm reminded literally today of a story. Brother Al Barlow, for the first time, was uh, speaking in front of a group of people. He, uh, he gave a Sunday school lesson. And Brother Al is absolutely terrified to speak in front of people. But I see Brother Al in the congregation, so he made it. He made it through. So if you think that you can't speak, you're probably right, but God can help you. And verse 14 of that same chapter, God finally had enough. He said, I'm tired of your excuses, Moses. I am that I am. I am that I am. That's God saying, I can help you. Uh, Sarah and I went to Chicago back at the end of March and early April, and we, uh, we checked out the RU, we went to a seminar there, and then we rode the bus. They have a, a large bus ministry up there in Elgin, and I'm reminded of a, a, of a man who rode the bus. His name was Mr. Herbert. He was 79 years old, and he had terminal stage 4, I believe, kidney cancer. And I was there with the bus captain, and the bus captain uh, was very good. He had very large, uh, a very large crowd on his buses. He had more people on the bus route than he had room on the bus. He had his workers go get them. But Mr. Herbert was one of, those, one of those people, and it blew my mind because Mr. Herbert was in pain, and it was obvious that he was in pain, yet he was at church. And I see a lot of our members here who are suffering through various ailments, and you're here at church. And I, I look up to you because I struggle. I struggle to come to church. There are times where I don't want to come to church. And I know if we're all honest, we would say the same thing. I definitely uh, am not worthy to even be in church, but the Lord has taken pity on me. So I have to ask, too, why did it take the Israelites 40 years to travel the distance of 20 hours in a, in a car or 11 days walk? Why did it take 40 years? They were being disobedient. Their excuses were, I just, I can't, I can't do these things, and I just, I don't understand why you're doing this, and all it is is your excuses, uh, I can't, is nothing more than disobedience. In Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam blaming Eve for partaking in the fruit. <laughs> it's probably the first time and the only time that a woman has known what she wanted to eat, and it did not work out well for mankind. Matter of fact, uh, don't throw anything at me, ladies, but I'm pretty sure even though this isn't in the Bible, God uh, made sure that women didn't want to know, didn't know what to eat because the last time it happened, it ended up bad. <laughs> but we see here Eve blaming, or Adam blaming Eve for partaking in the fruit. And even though this isn't about blaming someone else, you know, for your excuses, he still had an excuse. Well, it was her fault. She did it. Talk about personal responsibility, and that's a totally different message. But So we should take responsibility. But not only do we like to say, I can't. I can't. We also like to say, I'm too busy. Our fourth excuse is, I'm too busy. And honestly, we could wrap this entire excuse into one. Our fourth excuse is, I'm too busy. If you, once again, if you look at verses 18 through 20, what you're going to see is these people in this parable, these uh, invitees in this parable, telling the master, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I got to go take care of my wife and my land and my oxen. But look at what the master says in verse 21. Look at what he tells them. In verse 21, we see him say, go out quickly into the streets, quickly. So if it's a matter of time, time definitely is of the essence. We have to go out quickly. So Harvard did a study of 300 people, and they had a control group, and 300 people were tasked with something. And that task 
uh, I don't know what the task itself was, but of the 300 people who were tasked with something, 200 of them made an excuse as to why they couldn't do it. So the top two excuses were, we don't have the money and we don't have the time. But if your excuse tonight is, I'm too busy, I don't, have the, I don't have enough time, and look, I've used this excuse. I can't tell you how many times I've used this excuse. I used it probably yesterday. I don't have the time. I'm too busy. But if that's your excuse, I have to ask, how much time did you spend on YouTube? How much time did you spend on your phone or watching the Olympics or when football season rolls around? How much time will you spend watching football? What about hunting? How much time did you spend with that? You see, whenever you take these excuses to the Lord, they probably don't hold much water. So just face it, whenever you tell the Lord that you don't have much time and that you're too busy, you're lying to God. He knows your schedule. And I'm reminded, too, whenever Kaylee and Braden and I, when we go to town, a lot of times they'll ask me, Daddy, can we go do this? And I'll tell them, we don't have time. They just see me on my phone, and they just see me doing things that I want to do. But when it comes to something they want to do, I don't have the time. And I thank God that he's not like that with me. Whenever I come to God and say, God, I'm extremely busy, God gives me rest. He gives me the time. I'm so thankful that God doesn't turn his back on me when I make the excuse that I'm too busy for him. So I have to ask today, what is your excuse? Are you too young? Let me, let me take a survey really quickly. Raise your hand if you're between 10 and 16 years old. A lot of hands have gone up. As I mentioned before, God can use you. God used David to defeat Goliath. So let's say that you think you're too old. What about if you're between the ages of 17 and, I don't know, say 50? Raise your hand if you're between 17 and 50. A lot more hands have gone up. Joseph was 17 when God told him that he would, he would deliver his people, he would deliver his family, and that he would be second in command of Egypt. It was 30 years old when that actually happened, so God can still use you. Now, this is a sort of sensitive question. If you don't want to raise your hand, I don't blame you, but let's say that you're older than 50. I'm going to look away. God can still use you too. Understand this, Moses was about 80 when God told him to deliver his people. And he was 120 when the task was over with. God can still use you. So remember, when you have these excuses, what God's answer is. I am that I am. And if God is calling you to do something tonight, don't give him an excuse. What might your life look like if you do that? God has called us to his table tonight, and he's called us to his feast. And there's room for everyone. We see it in the scripture. We just have to stop making excuses and follow him. So along those same lines, we're, we say we're a missions-minded church, and I believe that we are. We have 171 missionaries we support around the globe. Your faith giving and your tithes and your offerings and things like that go to that. So I believe that we are a missions-minded church, but I have to ask this, and this is about the collective church, not necessarily this one, but we say we're missions-minded, but when it comes to doing missions, we have heartburn over it. We have ministries that have outreach potential, and yet we won't partake in those. Thank the Lord you give, but you can also go too. We have a lot of outreach here at this church, and we're, we're desperately looking for people to go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. Matter of fact, we have some bus kids here today. They actually wanted to hear me preach, surprisingly. I don't, I don't know why. But 
And what we see in Luke 14, when we have all these excuses to not serve the Lord, we see the Lord's going to fill his house. And that's what we see being done. In Matthew chapter 19, we see Jesus telling his disciples, hey, suffer the little children to come. Forbid them not. And in Matthew 18, we see why he says that. He says that because he says, unless you become like a child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And you also have to humble yourselves as a little child. And if Christ says that we should suffer the little children to come, then that's what we should do. He didn't say suffer them if they are clean or well-dressed or well-behaved. Because let's face it, a lot of our adults are not dressed well and well-behaved and clean. You see, when we make excuses to not do what God has told us to do, don't be surprised if God uses his blessings on those who are willing to come and eat at his table with him. So what does God want today? He wants for us to go. We can see that command in verse 21 and 23. Why does he want that? Also look at verse 23. So that his house may be filled. We should have a church full today. What's stopping us from doing what he has called us to do? It's our excuses. So we see now that we don't have any excuse to, to serve God, and we see that uh, there, there are some things that we can do about it, all right? So chances are that if you have these excuses and you are stubborn in those excuses, you have a heart issue. And if you have a heart issue, that's a whole different topic for a message, which I'm not going to delve into tonight. If you're not willing to look at your excuses and take them before the Lord, then you have a heart issue tonight. But let's say, for the sake of time, that you actually don't have the ability to speak well. Let's say that you don't have the time. Let's say that you uh, have more important things to do. We have some ways to get through these excuses that we have tonight. So we're going to take each of these excuses and we're going to change a pronoun. I think it's a pronoun, so correct me if I'm wrong. We're going to change the pronouns and we're going to make them positive. So tonight, if you were to, if you were to give the excuse, I am not ready, you could say, I am not ready goes to, he has prepared me. He has prepared me. Psalm chapter 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. You see, you may not feel like you're prepared, but God is preparing you. He has prepared you. So let's say that you think you have more important things to do. I have other important things to do becomes he has important things for us to do. So he's telling us in verse 21, go out quickly. Why is he saying go out quickly? Because the time is short. So we should go out quickly, not only quickly, but out into the highways and the hedges, as verse 23 says. But maybe your excuse has nothing to do with the three that I've listed before. Maybe it's that you genuinely think that you can't. Well, I can't becomes I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We say that a lot, but do we believe that? I would encourage you to believe that. And lastly, if you think that you're too busy, and really, I understand it. I really do. I bellyache all the time about the lack of time that I have. When you say that I'm too busy, let's change that and let it become he has the time for me. And he does. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 tells us why he has the time for us. Ephesians 5, 16 tells us to redeem the time because the days are evil. And we actually have a little bit of time. We have an eternity. And our eternity is either going to be spent here 
above us or below us. And if you're lost today, then you need to get that right. There is plenty of room for you at the table, and all you have to do is show up. The work is done. It has been, been prepared for you. Just show up. But if you're saved tonight, you also have work to do. Go out quickly. Compel them to come in. And we should be a lively church. We should have people busting at the seams. But tonight, even amidst the pandemic, surprisingly, there are a lot of people here tonight. But even in the middle of a pandemic, we should still be evangelizing. Even if you have to wear a mask, evangelize. There really is no excuse tonight. And if you do have an excuse, I would ask you to take it to the Lord and, and check with him. So tonight, with every head bowed and every eyes closed, let's take it to the Lord.